You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your Thursday Locked On Syracuse podcast brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need, rockauto.com. Tyler Rocky, Tim Leonard with you. Check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Also, be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If it is your first time joining us, thanks for stopping in. We've got Matthew Gutierrez on the show today, all things hoops. We're going to talk some recruiting both in 2021 and 2022, including a recap of Goody's visit with 2021 Syracuse commit Benny Williams. We will also talk about what's on the horizon for this season as well. What does the team look like? What is the format of the entire season going to look like? Will there be fans at the Carrier Dome at some point? So we will dive into all of that and some more with Matthew Gutierrez right now. Okay, we bring back on Matthew Gutierrez, our friend, and it's middle of October. So as is customary now, it feels like in Syracuse, we're shifting to basketball mindset. It is basketball season a little over... I guess a month away from the November 25th targeted start date for Syracuse hoops. We'll get into the team and sort of what you've been writing about them and what you've been hearing in camp Goody. But I do want to start with Benny Williams. I know you went down and chatted with him. What was that experience like getting to see one of Syracuse's top recruits? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that stood out was, was he was really tall. You know, I was in the gym watching one of, they have a couple teams there and I was watching the one team at IMG with, loaded with talent, kind of blown away. Some of these guys with the offers and like three, I think three or four top 50 guys were playing in this five-on-five high school scrimmage all on the same team. And afterward, Benny had class. He comes in. I just I just saw a lot of height. I saw like a uh, taller than Quincy, kind of Marek level height. I think he's about 6'9". He said he still could grow another inch or two, Benny Williams, that is. Uh, and it was that was the first thing that stood out. And then we got chatting. Uh, you know, we can get into that and his goals, but uh, really just a nice kid. I thought he was mature for, you know, being a, a teenager, uh, had, had a vision, had worked hard, and uh, began to hold back tears several minutes into the interview, uh, just when he was reflecting on uh, how he was a, you know, five foot nine junior varsity player and how much his dad meant to him. And his dad was encouraging him through that because uh, he had big goals and he, he just wasn't the player he wanted to be by a long shot. He wasn't even a, a varsity backup at that point, uh, and he kept working hard. So I, I just thought he was a genuine uh, person to speak with. When you look at Benny Williams and this class of 2021 in general, I mean, he's kind of the the guy. I mean, really the only guy right now, and it seems like he's someone who is cool with that if he is the only guy, but he's also kind of dropped some inklings that there might be more guys on the way when you look at a class that is obviously going to be built around Benny Williams, what does that kind of say about Syracuse and what this team can be moving forward? Yeah, I think with this 2021 class, uh, Syracuse is going to be happy with possibly only only Benny Williams if they don't get a couple other guys, whether it's Mac Etienne as a center, or you know maybe there's a couple couple names that we don't even know about right now and that might blossom through COVID or reclass and, and bump up in the winter or spring, kind of like a Frank Anseline, right, and, and, and jump into the mix really late in the process in the spring. I wouldn't leave that out of the mix, but I think Cuse is happy with 
just Benny there uh, anchoring that 21 class. They already have 13 scholarship players. They're going to lose a couple couple seniors this year. Uh, but, you know, traditionally, Q's doesn't need 13, right? They only play seven or eight. So if you have 10 or 11, like a lot of other, you know, high major programs, you're, you're probably okay. So I think they, they're okay with just Benny uh, if they don't get other guys. And, you know, he and Dior have, have been outspoken about uh, getting getting more talent to CNY, getting better top 70, top 50, top 30 talent, even whether it's Zion Cruz or or Klingon or, or, you know, the list goes on with some of these, these priorities um, on the next couple of classes. I do think, though, you know, broader picture of Benny Williams was a great pickup. His, his rankings continue to rise, and I think he has, uh, you know, possibly a freshman starting uh, role ahead of him, possibly. Yeah, it certainly seems like that for sure. I loved reading your article on how you mentioned his goals, how he's really committed to winning a championship, it seems like, right? Yeah, yeah, he threw that out there. I know, you know, Joseph Gerard did too. I think when he was being recruited, I think he said two or three championships uh, when we were at the Daily Orange. So, you know, <laughs> probably a bit of a bit of a stretch there. They, you know, they have big goals and they they certainly want to win. NIT is never something you want to do, especially at a place like Q's that, you know, historically makes the tournament. Uh, I think three out of every four years on average. So so about 75% of the time they're, they're getting to the big dance and, and usually sneaking to uh, that second weekend, you know, with a couple wins. So that's that's Benny's goal, right, to continue to win and, and get Cuse uh, out of the middle of the ACC, which is where the program has been basically for five years, and, and get them back to, you know, that, that top four, you know, with Virginias and, and UNCs and Dukes and, and Florida States. You've brought up the way that Benny and Dior have been very vocal throughout their recruiting process of getting other guys to come join them and play for Syracuse. What does that kind of say? Because I know it happens all the time. You've got players who are pushing and prodding some other guys to try to come join them, but this feels like they're a lot more vocal. What does that kind of say about the guys that Syracuse is trying to bring in? And also, what does that kind of say about the guys that they already have brought in and their willingness to go out and kind of do some of the legwork themselves. Yeah, there's no question. You know, Syracuse recruiting has, as per the metrics, um, the numbers don't lie. The recruiting talent has dropped off uh, since 2015-16. Um, you had a couple of solid recruits in that, you know, Torian Thompson, Matthew Moyer class, neither worked out, but they were top 100 guys. Since then, uh, I think they're averaging about 37, 38 in the country before that they were uh top 25 you know top 20 sometimes pretty much every year um, especially through those really good years early in the early the early part of the last decade that 09 to 13 14 stretch uh best stretch in, in program history so i think that the clear answer there is that dior and, and benny realize that the talent isn't what it maybe was six seven years ago and they're trying to bring that back and that's just in their words right i mean dior they both said it outright or kind of alluded to the fact that they want to quote, you know, basically to paraphrase your quote, bring back Syracuse uh, to what it, what it once was. So them being vocal about it, you know, part of that is I just, I think they're, they both have fairly large followings, especially Dior, a lot of influence. Uh, and, and with COVID, I think there was just a lot more downtime uh, and, and the recruiting world was flipped upside down for them to sort of act as almost act as recruiters for Cuse. And, and they could be, Syracuse's best recruiting, you know, better than what any any person on staff can do, especially given their contact 
limitations and they can do live evaluation right now. Uh, there's no limitations for, for outsiders or other recruits. They can all talk and, and text and try to sell each other on schools as much as they want. So that's the takeaway there. I just think they, they do realize CUSE is a little bit on the downward trend um, recruiting-wise, and the numbers show that, and they just want to try to get, get that program back to you know, what it was a decade ago. Okay, more coming up in just a sec. First, got to tell you guys about rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com today to shop for auto and body parts for your car or truck from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything you could ever need. It's very easy to access, very unique catalog. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Very good prices at rockauto.com, always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers, which is something that's kind of unique to rockauto.com. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You can go to rockauto.com today, get the same parts that you could get at the brick-and-mortar store. Just save that step. Go today, and when you go, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you here. Again, put Locked On, the podcast network here, and the How Did You Hear About Us box, so they know we sent you to rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. There's been a lot of talk about the 2022 cycle and a lot of hype around the 2022 cycle, almost like an alarming amount of hype in my eyes. It's like some people are throwing out that this is going to be this spectacular class I'm obviously optimistic about it, but what are your expectations and what would you say to fans are realistic expectations for what Syracuse could bring in in 2022? Sure. It's certainly a lot of uh, high expectations. I don't, I think we just don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves right, if you're a Syracuse fan um, and just understand that, look, there's a lot of upside to what 2021 and 2022 and even 2023 could bring and the or Johnson commitment or verbal commitment was was a landmark moment and it should spur other traction in recruiting whether it's top 50 guys or just top 100 guys I think you'll take it uh, the next few classes whether he shows up or not that said I I think we just want to you know quell our expectations a bit there is the chance that top athletes in the 2022 class are draft eligible and go right to the league or, or other options uh, there's also the situations uh, where they don't, Syracuse doesn't land these top priorities and they have to then hand out more offers later in the cycle to that, that next tier uh, player. So given all that, I just think it's still very early. Uh, 2022 is, is uh, you know, still, still a ways away. And, and that cycle is, is, is still just beginning. A lot of programs are still, reaching out to guys and, and putting their class together and, and getting their offers out. So don't want to get too ahead of ourselves and say it's going to be this great class when uh, so far there's only one player uh, verbally locked up, and, and that's there's no guarantee for anything, uh, as we've learned time and again. You know, go down the list, right, with, with Buss or Darius Baisley situation or, or, and who knows what 2022 could bring as far as uh, draft eligibility. You used the most important five words there when talking about Dior, whether he comes or not in that last (laughs) answer. And with all the news that's come out about him, the articles that have been been written about him the last couple of weeks, 
has your Dior meter shifted at all? Because Tim and I, we're still skeptical. I think we're feeling a little more optimistic now, but where is your Dior meter at right now in terms of whether or not he actually suits up for the orange? You know, it's a little bit of a cop-out, but I, I don't so much have a, have a meter. I don't know a whole lot, and I think given how much could change, that is just we don't even know. Uh, you know, I would probably, I would, I would just hold back, you know, on, on, uh, going out and saying whether I think he'll, he'll go to Q's or not. I just think there's a lot up in the air, um, on whether he does end up at, at Syracuse, whether it's pro, there's going to be a lot of people in his ear over the next, you know, year, year or two, uh, his huge, uh, following, which, you know, hopefully he'll be able to profit off that, off that when, when the time comes, however that may be. So, uh, you know, I think, whatever is the best decision that, that he wants to make. And that might be going straight to the pro route and making a lot of money. And that, that is a totally respectable, commendable thing he wants to do. And on the flip side, if he does want to, you know, continue to honor his commitment and play college basketball, uh, that's also, I think, you know, uh, respectable. So uh, I, I just think it's, I probably say it's a 50, you know, 50, 50 thing, right. Where he, he has these two very good options ahead of him. And I think he'll he'll he's still learning about himself, his situation. We're still learning about eligibility, and all that will, will sort of play out in the next year plus. So shifting to the upcoming season for Syracuse and what to make of this roster, there's always a couple guys in camp that get some buzz and stand out. It seems like Frank Anselm is kind of falling into that category. Maybe Kadari Richmond as well. It's one of the freshmen. You wrote a good article about kind of what you're hearing in camp. Is it fair to say that Anselm and Richmond might be those two guys right now? Right. Yeah, I'm actually just was just filed something this morning, um, sort of looking at, at reasons for optimism heading into the season. And one of those things is, you know, two names to know is, is definitely Kadari Richmond and Frank Anselm. I don't think any of the other newcomers or younger guys play a whole lot that they haven't played yet. Uh, but with, with Frank and Kadari, you have a – two really good athletes. Skidari's as good as getting to the rim as anyone in the program. And that's what Buddy Beheim and Joseph Gerard have said, uh, the two starting backcourt guys. And then Frank Anselm is, I think a lot more, a lot more ahead of schedule than I thought he, he was. I thought he'd be a more of a project, possibly a redshirt guy, although those decisions aren't even made, usually made yet. Uh, and just someone who would maybe be a little bit of a longer term hold like Jesse Edwards and John Ball. But it's proven to be that, you know, Frank very well could be that backup center first off the bench for Barama, should he need a breather or get into foul trouble. And then Kadari can play the one, two, three, or, or heck, even the four if, if needed. He's about six six. He's got good length. Uh, assistant coach Alan Griffin said he can play the top of the zone or the bottom of the zone if needed. So they have a lot of versatility there. I know minutes are tight at Q's normally, especially with the backcourt uh, having a lot of experience and, both of those guys will probably play almost 40 minutes. Uh, but all said, you know, with Kadari and Frank, I think you are going to see those guys on the floor uh, relatively, you know, a lot for freshmen this season. Speaking of reasons for optimism, have you seen Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology? I know it's October, but he's got Syracuse pinned as an eight seed right now. I was kind of taken aback when I saw that. I know it's Lenardi. I know he likes to, to toy with the heartstrings <laughs> of Syracuse fans, but an eight seed right now looking at October when this team wasn't even in it a couple months ago. Yeah. It's a little, little bit early. Most national analysts don't have Q's in their top 30 or top 40 lists. I, 
look, I mean, it's it's early to tell. We're not going to be at practice this year because of COVID. Uh, so we're not really going to see this team in action until Thanksgiving, right, when the season starts. So I don't want to get ahead of myself. I will say, based on what I know and given, you know, they're losing Elijah Hughes um, from an okay team, uh, I think this is another team that's probably going to float in that bubble range again for the year and very well could make the tournament and, and make the second weekend and surprise people. And at the same time, you know, it could be like, like some of the past couple, of, you know, maybe seven, the 17 year where they were kind of floating the bubble, but, but didn't uh, get it done in big games. So the, I mean, the biggest thing is just going to be, can this defense improve? The offense is going to be good again. The offense was number 23 in the country or top 25 in efficiency last year. They're, and they have most of their guys back. I think the offense isn't the issue. It's whether they can defend. If they can defend, they'll be on the, I think, the right side of the bubble. And if not, you know, right now I just think they're they're a bubble team. They've been a bubble team for basically five five straight years, uh, and nothing indicates otherwise uh, as of right now. I feel like maybe Lenardi gave them a little bit of a bump because of the Alan Griffin news, and now we know officially he is eligible to play this upcoming season. What have you heard about Alan Griffin? I feel like it's almost kind of a sure thing at this point that he's going to be in the starting lineup. Yeah, he's he's a starter. He came to Q's to play. He was playing almost 20 minutes a game at Illinois, so it wasn't like he was riding the bench like, you know, Jalen Carey, Howard Washington, Bryson Gadine, three scholarship guys who, you know, as we know, just transferred out of Syracuse looking for more playing time. Alan Griffin was playing, so – he just wants to play even more, and I think he's a guy who's going to play 30-plus minutes a night. Uh, his high school coach told us uh, a couple, few months ago that he came to Cuse because he wants to be a starter and play basically all game. And he knows that Cuse, if you get, uh, if you have a good start, and, and Coach Beheim likes how you fit with the team, he's going to play you a lot of minutes and give you a lot of shots and a lot of chances to show your talent. With all that said, I think, you know, Allen's definitely a guy who's going to start at the Elijah Hughes role on the wing and get plenty of chances to, to shoot to shoot the three ball. He's got a, he's got a pretty good-looking shot. In terms of the logistics of this season, what have you heard about the plans? And I'm not just talking about Syracuse. I'm talking about college basketball as a whole. Is everything seeming like it's going full steams ahead? And is there really any cause for concern of this thing getting off the ground? Not a whole lot. I think this this is a season that's going to get played. They, college basketball can learn from college football's successes and and and, uh, and failures in a way, right? With just making sure COVID is strict and testing. Cuse will test three times a day. Coach Beheim wants to test every day if they can get up to if the technology and and financial situation allows. Uh, he just wants to to be really on top of that. Uh, limit limit all contact with his players in the program and, and uh, try, try to do everything they can to, to not have games canceled or have guys get COVID. And if, if a player or two gets COVID, you know, they want to certainly isolate that person immediately. But right now it looks like we're going to get college hoops just on a, a couple weeks delayed. Practice starts Wednesday, October 14th, and then have games, you know, it looks like uh, about seven non-conference games, a lot of, a lot of dome games, big 10 challenge and, and a couple of ACC games before the new year. 
gotta tell you about the best protein bar on the market. That, of course, is Built Bar. With new flavors seemingly coming out all the time, including one of my new favorites is the Caramel Brownie and the Cookies and Cream, both of which I recently got through Built Bar. They are awesome. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to choose. And the best part of all of this is that even though it tastes like a candy bar, they are healthy for you. They're perfect if you're trying to maintain weight, lose weight, whatever. Built Bar is the way to go. Just take the peanut butter brownie for a second here. 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories, only five grams of sugar, and only five grams of net carbs. That's what you're getting with Built Bar. You are getting a delicious reward for your workout while also making a super healthy choice as well. And right now, Built Bar, a new offer for you here for fans of the Locked On Syracuse podcast and the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get 20% off your next order. BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, and you will get 20% off your next order. So obviously there's been good reports about Frank Anselm. Barama is still that huge X factor to me going into the season. That center position is still going to be probably a talking point on this podcast and everyone that follows Syracuse basketball going forward. But if Anselm, let's just assume Anselm is ahead of schedule and he gets off to a good start. I, I'm kind of for redshirting Jesse Edwards at that point, just given how how much of a long-term play he is and how you want what you get out of Jesse Edwards and try and get him on the floor for significant minutes for as much as you can in his Syracuse career. What are your thoughts on where Jesse Edwards fits into this puzzle this year? Right. I think Jesse's a, a smooth player. He's got some potential at Syracuse, seven, four wingspan, uh, the willingness to learn, good teammate, a lot of length. Can I think when he is able to learn the zone, which will take time. He can be a, a really good rim protector, uh, you know, a la, you know, Pascal Chukwu type player around the rim. And I think Chukwu is underrated as a, as a rim protector, just limiting opponent chances. You know, when you're that tall, there is an effect of, I think guys don't want to attack you as much, right, if, if they know that you're kind of lurking there. All that said, I think if you ask the coaches right now, they'll, they'll say it's too early. They don't usually uh, kind of predict or comment at least publicly on the redshirt situation. Uh, but when that decision is made, look, you have 13 scholarship guys. There's no doubt at least, you know, someone's going to be redshirting. And I, I do think Jesse, you said there, Tim, is, is probably the best choice for that long-term play, has that talent, and just needs a little bit more time to bulk up in the weight room. And, and then I think he can help this team. So John Rothstein reported that Syracuse is going to be going with this multi-team event, the MTE, which is the three letters every college basketball fan is acclimating to right now, as opposed to the Gotham Classic for this upcoming season. What have you heard about this event, and who are some of the teams that Syracuse might be getting involved with here? Yeah, I haven't, haven't heard a whole lot right now. I, I do. I, I just heard generally from from some of the coaches and 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 even some of the players who, who knew about it, is that they're going to probably play a very local schedule for uh, the early part of the year. A lot of, a lot of in-state schools, uh, some, you know, not necessarily high major powers, but it's probably the safest thing to, to do as well, right? You're, you're you know, limiting travel. It's mostly going to be bus rides. Teams don't necessarily have to stay in hotels. They can travel day of and, and get back the night of. Um, a, lot, a lot of benefits there, I think, to – 
limiting contact points. Um, so I think it'll be mostly, you know, carry, a lot of games at the Carrier Dome. I think Bayham, you know, obviously is, likes playing there in the non-conference slate. Uh, and if anything, has, has gotten some, some slack for, for playing too much at home. But look, I mean, a lot of these teams, they play at home all the time. Kentucky, Duke, they play a ton of home games before New Year's. So I don't think it's, it's too much different. Uh, and it's probably the safest thing, you know, given they have a, a, you know, obviously a huge, a huge court and, and the facilities to do so. Have you heard anything about if this team or if teams in the area or in the conference are planning on letting in fans? Haven't heard. From what I know is that you're probably not going to see fans uh, at these games, certainly in New York, uh, at the Carrier Dome, just given what we've heard the, the medical experts and, and even politicians say uh, about the, the safety element. And, and look, I mean, it's, it's getting colder out. There's a lot of talk about, you know, maybe not necessarily a massive second wave, although it's possible, but just, you know, a lot of mini surges as we coincide with flu season, people being indoors. I think all that taken together, we need to be grateful, in my opinion, for sports just here, that there's no fans. You know, we have games on TV. These sports teams are still making money from television and sponsorships. So uh, I don't really know, feel bad for multi-million dollar sports enterprises, right? I think they're going to be okay, especially at this high level. And, uh, we're going to go forward. I think the safest thing to do would be to not have fans. Um, I think we're going to see that through this college basketball season. It's obviously going to be a weird year, kind of like what we're seeing with college football. I wonder, though, I, I feel sort of that the Carrier Dome and not having fans in that arena, it might hurt Syracuse more than, let's just throw out like a Boston College or another team, Wake Forest maybe, some of these other schools in the ACC, because that is such a huge advantage having that 30 K in the dome and the loudness that it brings and just the emotion that the crowd can bring. Is there something to be said that, you know, given that Syracuse has, a, I mean, they have Richmond in the backcourt a little bit, but they have Gerard as the point guard and then not a whole lot else that we can really trust right now behind him. So we know there's going to be some positive COVID tests in some of these teams. Is Syracuse in a situation where maybe they're in some trouble or in more trouble than other teams, considering the lack of fans and what this year is going to bring? Yeah. Well, to your point on fans, I, I don't know if BC has, has had fans before either, right? So, I mean, you go to those games and there's like <laughs> – Jeff Goodman, he there. shows up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some of the Syracuse dominates those games for sure, the Syracuse fan base. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's all it's all orange right up there on the court. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know how much the 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 home crowd plays a role. I think the players will will argue with that a lot and and say that how how much the dome crowd means to them. But you know, Syracuse wasn't uh, hasn't been over the past few years that dominating at home. Uh, Joe Girard has shot a lot better on the road. A lot of other players have actually been better on the road. Than in the Carrier Dome, Syracuse players in recent years. So uh, I don't. I think it's a little bit overblown the home court advantage, even if it's thirty thousand. Uh, Syracuse has lost games when the place was full, but notably to Duke. Uh, so I don't know how much of a of a role that honestly plays in these games. I think it's a little bit, maybe a small role, a couple points, but I don't think it's a it's a it's a huge deal. And then as far as positive COVID tests, yeah, it, look, I mean, when you have two guards. Basically, I think Kadari was listed as a forward 
on the Q's roster. I don't know if that was changed today, but um, the, the, the coaches clearly told me and I think others that he is, quote, a point guard. So I don't think he's a forward, although maybe that he's listed as that because he can play the bottom of the zone as well as the top. Uh, I do think, look, if, being real, if we were to play the what-if game, right, if Buddy or Joseph Gerard does contract the virus and they have to isolate for, let's say, two weeks, uh, you are going to be a little bit limited at the guard spot, but I think you're pretty confident you have Kadari Richmond who can come in. You also have Alan Griffin who played the two at Illinois. He played the two in high school. His, his high school coach says he can play the point or the shooting guard. So he's really more of a guard as well. I do think you have guys who might not be traditional point guards or listed as guards that could very well just kind of slot over there. And again, you know, with the zone, it's already somewhat positionless basketball anyway. Uh, and the way Syracuse plays with so many, you know, pick and rolls and, and three-point shots, um, I, don't, I don't think it matters as much as long as you have the right personnel on the court. And that's, you know, it's clearly going to be a, a perimeter-oriented team again this season. I got a couple ancillary ones for you here, uh, away from this year's team more so, but this one-time transfer rule looks like it's about to pass in college basketball. Has Jim Beheim said anything, or do you have any inclination of what he might do and how he might utilize it? Obviously, he's utilizing it to a degree this year with Alan Griffin, and does a rule like this, is this going to help Syracuse football or basketball more? Well, yeah, to, to your point, I haven't spoken explicitly with, with Beheim about about the recent uh, news. I, I didn't know he shifted his stance. He was used to be all for you know transfers having to sit out a year. He thought if they could get immediate eligibility, there'd be too many transfers and it would create like a free agency uh, deal. It'd be super, you know, quote unquote super teams and guys would be transferring all over the place. But he's reversed that role uh, in the past year or so, I think he, he pointed more so to the waiver process being so random. Uh, and Jeff Capel at Pitt has said this, a lot of other coaches have said this, uh, that just, just, let, just let everybody be eligible right away because the, the system is, clearly doesn't work. Some guys are getting eligible, some are not. Let everybody be eligible uh, right away. So I think that's where he would stand generally Excuse me, on the issue. And then as far as who benefits more men's basketball or, or football, I don't know. I, I would think basketball, you know, Beheim, for the first 30 years of his career, I think only took a couple of transfers. I don't have the number in front of me. Maybe it's under five or maybe five. Wesley, you know, Wesley Johnson, one of the notable ones. Uh, and, then, and then since then, the number is, is several. It's, it's matched or exceeded his previous 30 years as far as transfers, whether it's, you know, recent names, Andrew White, John Gillen, Elijah Hughes, uh, Alan Griffin. When he takes a transfer, Gino what we Thorpe. know is that transfer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> For the, aside from Thorpe, when he takes a transfer, that transfer plays a lot and is, an, is a big-time impact. I think we're going to see the same with, with Alan Griffin. So I think Q's men's basketball benefits quite a bit from this rule uh, as opposed to the football team. And one of those transfers is now NBA bound, Elijah Hughes. And I saw he creeped into Sam Bassini of the Athletics top 30. Is Elijah Hughes, are you hearing things? Is he going to be a first-round pick in this upcoming NBA draft? Very well could be. Yes, Sam's a lot smarter with NBA draft uh, realm than I am. But, you know, Sam had him at, I think, the highest he had him at one point was 30 to Boston. Uh, He has him at 32 as of this morning to Charlotte. A lot could change in the next month or so heading up to the draft. 
you know, as he does his interviews, Zoom interviews with, with teams and, and execs, um, and, and tries to showcase. But one thing's for sure, Elijah has his stock is you know gradually uh, risen over the past uh, few months since the since the springtime, since the season ended. He's a guy who can shoot shoot really well and and proven I think to be a better defender than maybe advertised, although teams did attack his side of the zone more than Mirak Dolajai, so something that, that might hold him back a little bit. Uh, but I, I do think he's going to be a late first-round uh, player, given what some of the, the scouts around the league have said about him and just how much how many teams need a, a three-point shooter on the wing. That's, that's such a weapon in today's game, as we've seen over and over and, and as recently as these playoffs. All right, last one here, and then we'll get you out of here. We we unveiled our Syracuse reporter scoop standings. Okay, Anthony <laughs> DeBundo picked up the first point. He he got the scoop that Andre Cisco had the torn ACL. Do you have a scoop here that you want to unveil on the show to pick up your first point of the year? Goody isn't in the scoops game. He's been <laughs> he's, clear he on always that. says he's not in the scoops game, and then he, he just goes out and gets something. He gets like you got the Jarvion and and. Uh, and uh, Abdul, Abdul Adams, yeah, tip right. That was you. Yeah, definitely not not like a f- fan of being glued to Twitter and and texting a ton of people and and trying to find out you know every every little thing. Uh, but no no scoops right now to share. We'll keep Nothing like I'll give you basketball, okay. women's basketball, lacrosse, football, <laughs> anything. You got a scoop. You can pick up your first point of the year. Oh, man, I don't have anything right now, but if I can hold my point maybe for later, I'll definitely take you up on that. But, uh, you know, I'm just trying to stay focused on, you know, what our bread and butter is at the Athletic, as you guys know, and just kind of more storytelling, yeah, uh, in-depth features, breakdowns, and, and definitely trying to just stick to, to what we're good at. And if there's any knowledge, you know, that I am happen to come across, definitely try to try to get that out there if I think people should know about it, whether it's injuries or, or opt-outs. That's not, you know, about me trying to scoop or anything. It's, you know, just me trying to tell people what they should know, if, especially if, you know, as athletic departments nationwide are become more and more uh, tight with the information and in some cases hiding it or just not getting it out for a lot of reasons, uh, whether it's suspensions, injuries, you know, I think in those cases it's definitely warrant you know we need to be on the ball and, and get that info out so but i i do appreciate the kind of word stuff <laughs> yeah keep all doing right, well, you man we love your we're work. waiting for that first point cannot wait till your first all point right. comes through <laughs> well uh we appreciate it goody thanks as always great stuff from you and hopefully we can chat soon no doubt thank you guys like i said big fan of your podcast really appreciate you having me on all right, fun stuff as always with Goody. If you missed the football portion of this conversation, you can check that out on our feed as well. That's from yesterday's show, so be sure to give a look at that as Syracuse gets ready to take on Liberty. And speaking of Liberty, we will preview the Flames for tomorrow's show. Tim and I will be back, so we will dive into all things. Get you ready because this Orange team, a three-point dog at home against a team that was in the FCS not too long ago. So we will get you ready for all of that. Is this a game that Syracuse needs to worry about losing? And if it is... What's going to happen at the quarterback position? What's going to happen with everything? Because guess what? It does not get easier after that because you will face Clemson. So that's all what you have to look forward to for tomorrow and the week after that. So for Tim Goody, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.